welcome everybody to episode 10 of the Beyond Red and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Bo Richards, and with me as always is my co-host, Dan Humphrey. Hello, hello, hello. Go ahead and say hi, Dan. And today we have a very special guest. It is first degree Pedro Sauer Black Belt and Dan and Mine's instructor, Brian Alvarez. What's going on, everybody? Not much. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. Good, good. We appreciate Bo's you doing this the podcast time. with his gi on. For those of you yeah, that don't have yeah. video, which is all of you. Yeah. I do this all the time, actually. <laughs> For some I reason, I thought that watched, was a bathrobe. Uh, Helson Gracie did some interview on a radio show. And it was just a radio show, but the radio show happened to have a, a video of it. And, in fact, he drove to the studio and did the whole interview in his gi. Sure. Yeah, I, uh, They're in good company, Bo. <laughs> yeah, thank you. yeah I, I wear this all the time it, as it gets colder in particular it becomes more necessary so I, I like it smells nice outside but if i turn the heat on in this room i get really hot and sweaty so i turn the heat off and open the window and put a gi on and it solves the problem and i save money which is nice in a pandemic so it's a win-win for me and i look good so it's a triple win and just in so. case something goes down you always got that ezekiel choke See that's the thing, right? Is that I can pull, I can pull the pull the gi apart and do uh, do all my lapel stuff. Like it's great. Well, unfortunately, if something goes wrong, he can also be gi choked. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> this is very true. But yeah, I, I actually, I embarrassingly, I wear my gi all the time around uh, around my house, and so uh, I think I've actually told you this before, Brian, and I'm pretty sure you laughed at me and probably didn't think I was being serious, but I'm being serious. I. I will wear my gi and my belt around my house. Oh, I'm just trying that. to put miles on it. <laughs> yeah. No, I. It, it, like sometimes it gets cold in the mornings, and it's like I don't really like sweatshirts all that much, and I don't really like. I don't even know if I actually own a sweatshirt, so I just throw this on and tie the belt, and it's easier to take off, and and away we go. I seem to recall you slept with your blue belt when you got it as well. Is that true? I actually. So that was an accident. I didn't mean to fall asleep. I actually did fall asleep. I did. It happened once. Um, I, and it was a, it was actually, um, cause I did this sort of with my white belt as well. I didn't fall asleep with it, but I had trouble tying the belt. Like everyone does when you first get your belt, your white belt. And so I would wear it at home and tie it repeatedly to like learn how to tie it properly. So I would just tie it and then untie it and then unwind it and wrap it and tie it. And I would just do that. And I developed a habit of where I just would forget about it and I'd keep it on. And then I would go about my, my life at home. And so I will wear my belt around the house just naturally because it's like an ingrained habit now. And when I got the blue belt, I was tying it and untying it to like, because the knot's hard and I didn't like it. And um, that night, I think, is when it was. After I got my blue belt, everyone decided to, 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 that they had to roll with me. And then um, they rolled really hard because I just got a blue belt. So I was really tired and I like fell asleep in my bed with it on. I didn't fall asleep like all night. It was like for like an hour when I got home, but I uh, fell asleep and uh, woke up with like a, like a slight bruise on the side of my rib. Cause like the <laughs> knot had like turned and like sat in my rib a little bit. <laughs> but now the things like the knot is so broken and the thing's about ready to fall apart. So I don't have to worry about it though. I haven't slept with it. So for at least a week. Anyways, yeah, let, let's move on from embarrassing stuff about me, and let's talk about uh, uh, the two of you <laughs> and how you guys are doing. Embarrassing stuff about me? This could go on all night. Yeah, it could. Let's. Uh, well, since we're starting let, fresh, um, if we could uh, get your origin story one more time, uh, as exciting as it is, but it'll kind of help set the groundwork for the conversation. It's a very exciting story. So, yeah, I did uh, pro wrestling for a long time. And probably actually since I was about, God, probably 14 years old, because in ninth grade, we, me and my buddy did a, a wrestling match during an assembly. So it was like junior high, I was doing this goofy pro wrestling, and I always loved the technical wrestlers, the Bret Hart's, etc. So I always loved technical wrestling, but, you know, this was the mid-90s and... I mean, I was doing this pro wrestling stuff before there was even a first UFC. And so I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't know anything about jiu-jitsu. And then I started watching the early UFCs with my brother-in-law. And obviously everybody saw Hoist Gracie. 
And I always thought it was cool, but, you know, like the first few UFCs actually were exciting. They were like pro wrestling because there were no rules. It was barely a sport. Like you couldn't bite and you couldn't uh, – forget the other one. Fish but up. you could actually uh, groin strike people. So, I mean, there was yeah, virtually no rules. I think it was eye gouging and, and choking you couldn't do. Yeah. So it was it was it was kind of like pro wrestling, but I was still more into professional wrestling. So I watched all the UFCs, I watched all the pro wrestling. And then as I as I had done that for quite a while, it was about two thousand five and, and I was still I was still doing pro wrestling but not as much. And I was looking for something else to do that quite frankly would be easier on my body. And of all things, it ended up being jujitsu. <laughs> and I lived in Linwood at the time, and I must have Googled or however you did things 15 years ago. <laughs> and, like, you know, there was there was maybe a school in Seattle, and uh, there was uh, Kirkland, and then there was one school in Linwood. It was like 10 minutes away or less. And I thought, well, that's the closest. And if I'm going to do this, it should be somewhere close to my house. So I drove out there, and it was a kung fu school. David Fiedler was teaching kung fu there. And this fellow named Justin Angelos had moved up from Utah, where he had trained with Pedro Sauer at Pedro's Utah School. And he had, he had started teaching jujitsu there. And he was a four-stripe blue belt. He was about to get his purple belt. And I took a class. I thought it was awesome. And I jumped in, both feet, paid the unlimited to go to every single class that I could, and that was it. The rest is is history. I like it. That's very similar to mine. I looked for the closest place. I came in. Sean choked the shit out of me, and then I kept coming back. Yeah, that's basically. I had yeah. Thad beating me up very early on there. <laughs> Wasn't and I, and actually, I remember than you, that speaking of pro wrestling, like, you know, people always say, what was your first submission? What was your first submission? And my first submission was a rear naked because it was a sleeper hold in pro wrestling. It's applied yeah. practically the same way. I mean, they do it a little bit differently. Like in pro wrestling, you put the hand on the forehead or whatever. And so anyway, that's like the only thing that I could think of. And I was just rolling with this guy and I ended up on his back and I I put him in a sleeper. That was my first ever <laughs> submission was that, that rear naked choke. So my pro wrestling paid off. Wasn't Thad a lot bigger than you, though? Thad was – well, I mean, everybody was bigger than me, but he was – Oh, yeah, I guess you – yeah. He was, uh, he was 185 pounds probably. Okay. And he was a fireman, firefighter. Okay. <laughs> and – So he was absurdly strong. Dude, they have this, this thing – I don't know, like, all the details, but basically it, one of the things that they have is they have this grip strength deal where they test mm -hmm. your grip strength by you squeeze this thing and i i'll just throw out i don't know what the numbers are so i'll just make them up but like your average person maybe would squeeze a 100 and somebody really strong would squeeze like a you know 125 or something and thad squeezed like a 150 so he was one of those guys <laughs> that he was good at jujitsu and he had great technique and he was also freaky strong and boy he beat me up for years years but a, a, I the, the, the nicest guy ever. But, man, he gave me a lot of I free lessons. I remember with uh, Sean, because even then, especially when I first started, I was actually about 185 when I started. And I was much more top-heavy. I had, like, bigger arms and shoulders than I do now. But Sean's been, like, 140 pounds since he was, like, in high school. And I remember thinking that he was – really violent and angry sounds about right because you know he, he's like he's one of those people where like until you get to know him like he, he's kind of he doesn't smile a lot and then once you get to know him he likes to make jokes and laugh but also he's short and tiny and i had thick shoulders and so i don't think he i found out later that like he had trouble triangling me when we were showing triangles because my shoulders were too big and so he had to apply it like he he basically was squeezing really tight just to get it to work because his legs were short and so it would like just repeatedly would just choke the shit out of me and i didn't know any better so i just thought he was an ass <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's definitely really a concerned. position that uh yeah having big shoulders is a detriment 
for triangles yep. and arm triangles and stuff like that. Get a big old delt just cutting off everything on that side. No, it was, but I remember just being shocked by it because I was like, this tiny human that I, I could probably like curl with both hands if I tried. Like, say I was pretty strong at the time. I was like, he just like wrecked me. And he scares me at the same time. Like, this is something I got to get into. Like, I don't want to be all scary like he is, but I want to learn how to do that to people bigger than me. Um, and plus, it was nice. I, I like that you were also tiny, Brian. Um, I, felt I like, was bigger when you started. Yeah, you were. But, but I was uh, still smaller. Yeah. But I mean, it's just it, like when my instructor started, he walked into Pedro's, I think it's Park City. Yeah, and that's correct. He took his, his first class, and he was also small. He is probably 155 or so, I would say. And they paired him up with some woman, probably weighed like 120 pounds. And they were partners the first day. And then Pedro told everyone to roll, and she wrecked him, just ruined him. And that was how he decided, I got to do this. If this person did this to me, I got to learn how to do this to somebody else. I think mm -hmm. everybody pretty much has that story where they go in and get humiliated and decide, I want to be the humiliator someday. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's See, the I test. Don't, I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to be the humiliator. I just, I, w I was just so shocked at how effective it was G given, because I've always been pretty athletic and I was way bigger than him. And I was like, like, how was he, like, I've never had anyone like actively cut off the, the blood, the blood flow to my head before. And I was like, how was he doing this? He's, he's tiny. And it just, it, I was just hooked. And I was also a little embarrassed because I was like, I'm really strong. Like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I, I can do better than this. Like, I think I pulled a muscle the first day I was there doing side shrimps. Well, you it know, is, the thing with, with jujitsu is the, the theory is that jujitsu is supposed to help a small person beat a right. big person. And, I mean, the reality is if you're a small person who knows jujitsu, and your opponent is a large person that does not know jujitsu. I mean, chances are you're gonna put a beating on them. Yeah. But if you're a small person who knows jujitsu, and there's a big person who knows jujitsu, I mean, you either be, you got to be either really good at jujitsu, or you got to have great defense, and your victory is surviving, because sure. it's you know you can a big person who knows jujitsu. If you're a little person who knows jujitsu, that is still a big challenge. And oh, yeah. the bigger they are, the bigger a challenge it is. Well, unless you do the, like, unless you like leg locks, I know that both Marcelo Garcia um, and in particular Lachlan Giles had a lot of success against big guys just by heel hooking them. That only lasts until the big guy learns heel hooks. <laughs> yeah, no, very true. But yeah, you uh, can beat a big guy with anything till he figures it out. Right. But I remember in particular with Lachlan being very shocked by that because this was just last year and everyone's starting to pick that up and he still managed to run through most everybody um well he's super talented as well dude you mentioned uh, marcelo also, garcia yeah. and that made me think and this this may be urban legend um but apparently uh somebody gave him one of those grip strength testers uh and he squeezed it and broke it <laughs> i can believe that <laughs> yeah so yeah just made me think of that. So I got a question for you, Brian. Um, who is your, uh, like, who's your jujitsu hero? Like, who do you look up to the most? I mean, the three that I, I have studied the most, obviously, would be Pedro mm -hmm. and Hickson and Marcelo Garcia. Yeah. And those are the three. Obviously, Pedro, because... Pedro Sauer Jiu-Jitsu, and I got to know everything that he does in the way that he teaches it. And then Hickson. Hickson is, you know, his instructor. Mm -hmm. Got his black belt from Hickson and Elio. And then Marcelo Garcia, I, he was one of the first, I don't know if he was one of the first that had like an online training course. He was actually, I believe, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I was watching that thing from like 2011 or whenever it first started. I mean, I, yeah. I watched it. I signed up for a year. I've signed up for a year ever since. And it really, there were two things about Marcelo. And one of them was, he's thicker than I am. But he's roughly my same size. 
Like if I if I'm watching, you know, uh, whoever, I, I guess like the the Gracie Academy would be a great one because, you know, they're like six four or something like that. Six four and six yeah, five. They're yeah, really lanky. Yeah. So you know, I mean, everything that they teach is great, but at the same time, I'm not built like that. I don't have legs that long. And, you know, there's certain things that are going to be way more effective for them than will be for me. And but Marcelo is is got roughly my same proportions. And what I what I really it, what I loved about his system was a lot of it was I would just watch him teach the moves because I was also teaching and I was seeing, OK, well, what does he do? Well, he doesn't just teach a random collection of moves that don't have anything to do with each other. He basically it's like a. You guys are, uh, well, Dan, maybe. I don't know about you, Bo, but Dan, you're you're close to my age. When we were kids, they had the Choose Your Own Adventure book. Oh, yeah. Remember those? Yeah. Start reading this I book. Re- I remember those, but I'm a lot younger than you. Yeah, guys. and it's like, want, if you want to go into the cave, turn to page eight. If you want to go into the lighthouse, and then you just... So anyway, Marcelo's teaching was like kind of a Choose Your Own Adventure, where he would teach an arm bar. And then the next movie he would teach is... Well, they pull their arm out of the arm bar. Well, here's what you do. You transition here into this this triangle. And then his third move would be, well, you're going for the triangle, and they hug your leg. Well, here's how you switch your legs, and you do the reverse triangle. So he taught three moves that all played into each other. He was teaching a system every time he taught a class. So that mm-hmm. just, my mind blew up. My mind just exploded. Oh, my God. Well, now I get it. It helped me learn, and it helped me teach. The other thing about Marcelo's site, and maybe every site is like this now, but it had a search function. And you could type in anything, and it would not only have all of the times where he taught that lesson, but it would also have all of the times you could have, like, little clips of when he did that while he was rolling with somebody. Now my mind really blew up. Because Mm -hmm. let's say, for example, that I was trying to work on my my guillotine, okay? So I could watch Marcelo teach the guillotine 50 times. But Marcelo also had like 5,000 videos of just him rolling every night after class with everybody. Black belts, brown belts, white belts, the whole nine yards. So you could you could type in rear naked choke and like a bunch of, of examples of him rolling and finishing with a rear naked choke came up. So then you could watch and see how he set everything up. So the real, I guess the one example that, I mean, to me, so I always had problems when I was in somebody's closed guard because I am, I'm a smaller guy and these are bigger people and they've got very strong legs and you can teach every guard pass that you want. But if I was in Thad's guard, dude, I ain't opening that guy's legs. Okay. (laughs) I'm just not. Like I could have, I could have a knife in both hands, and he's probably still gonna have his <laughs> legs closed the entire time. So I was always getting frustrated. I would teach the move, and I'd always get frustrated, and I would roll, and I would get stuck in the guy. I'd be there all night. And I was like, God, what, what am I doing wrong here? So I go to Marcelo's site, and I type in, you know, guard pass, and he has all of his guard pass. I'm like, I taught this, blah 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 blah. So then I start watching him roll. And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna watch Marcelo. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch every video of Marcelo rolling, and I'm gonna see how this dude gets out of the closed guard. And I'm especially watch how he gets out of the closed guard of a bigger guy. And I watched like dozens of videos, the old binging Netflix binging. I binged on Marcelo. Mm-hmm. And do you know what I learned about how Marcelo got out of the closed guard? What? Pardon my profanity, but this fucking guy never got inside anyone's closed guard. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it there sounds so stupid when I say it, but I realized that for so many years, I had just gone into people's guard. And it was like, it, my mind was blown. Because, you know, Pedro would always teach things like okay well you, you you so somebody gets you we go to seminar and it's q a or whatever every every page or seminar is nothing but q a so you go anybody bring your questions my friends so somebody would like lay down and they'd have their partner come over and their partner they put their partner in an arm bar and the arm would be all the way extended and they would look at Pedro and they would say 
I always get stuck here in this arm bar. He's got my arm straight. Like, what can I do to get out of this? And Pedro would look at the guy, and he would say, tap. That was his answer. And the guy would be all frustrated. And, and you know, Pedro's, it never, Pedro never said it like this, but he always said it like Kurt Osiander. One of my favorite quotes in all of jiu-jitsu. If anybody has ever watched one Kurt Osiander video, you know this quote. Yep. Yep. You fucked up a long time ago. Yep. Okay? Yep. So you never should have got in a position where your arm is extended and you're in an arm bar and you're flat. Like, tap. You screwed up a long time ago. So I knew that, and it was like, okay, well, you know, I got to try and prevent the arm bar earlier. Well, I got to try to, you know, then you got to try and prevent the guy from even controlling your arm. Then you got to try and prevent the guy from mounting you. But I never thought, prevent getting inside this guy's guard. Yeah. So so just by watching the way that he rolled, it blew my mind. Like, dude, you got to stop going inside people's guards. Like, if you want to learn how to get out of someone's guard, like, things are going to happen and you're going to end up in somebody's guard. It's not like I never have ended up in Dan's guard or your guard. Like, it's going to happen, but I don't have to give that to everybody and just put myself in this guard. position. And then once I learned that, as I kept watching Marcelo videos, every now and then I would see him actually get into somebody's guard. And then I watched how he escaped, which was basically he jumped to his feet. They immediately went for the double ankle sweep and he kicked and stepped back and he was out of their guard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My mind exploded. And dude, I drilled that over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm not going to sit here on this show and tell you, I've never been stuck in anybody's guard. I've never been submitted in anybody's guard. Nobody can get me in there. Trust me. I, I've been in people's guards. I've been submitted in people's guards. But today, as compared to before I watched those Marcelo Garcia videos, it's night and day. It's night and day. And you could do that with every question you had. You could go up there and you could watch him roll and get out or do the pass or do whatever. And you could watch how he taught it. And you could watch everything and you can watch it like you could switch it so if you're if you normally pass on the left but he's passing on the right you could switch it and you could see him pass on the side you pass on it was like <laughs> mind-blowing to me so that so marcelo garcia hickson because of all the new videos he's putting out which also blow my mind and all of this stuff that i i learned from from justin and from pedro you know way back in the day like those are the top three like top three bar none all right. Now, you you're in your explanation about uh getting into the guard and essentially just not doing it. This uh this strikes me as exactly your approach to dealing with leg locks. Yes. Dude, listen, Bo. This is the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. I watched Marcelo teach every one of his moves under the sun. From 2011 to like 2018, 2019, when you guys started yep. coming in and leg locking everybody. Yep. I never, not one time, saw Marcelo Garcia teaching a leg lock. Not one time. Mm -hmm. But he had a multitude of videos that were based on avoiding getting leg locked. Yeah. So... I know a few basic leg locks, but I'm I'm sure I'm way behind the curve in terms of, of every leg lock under the sun. Mm -hmm. But what I did was I studied every single one of these things that Marcelo taught about not getting in a leg lock. Because, I mean, if you watch him roll, he rolls in a way where he very, very rarely opens himself up to getting leg locked. Very true, yeah. Because in order to be leg locked, there's a few things that have to happen. Your ankle needs to be available to somebody. Mm -hmm. And if you ever watch him roll, he does so much butterfly guard where your feet are on the inside. He rarely puts anybody in the closed guard. But if you watch him teach anything that he teaches from the closed guard, He's very, very specific about what grips he's going to make before he opens his legs and before he moves a foot into a position where you could conceivably grab it. So it's not like I've never been leg locked. I would be I would be lying if I said I'd never been leg locked. 
In fact, Sean leg-locked me the same way twice. I'll mm. never forget it, okay? But part of the reason I'll never forget it is because it is rare. I'm not saying that I don't ever get leg-locked. I do get leg-locked, but I rarely get leg-locked because I try to do a style of jujitsu that I understand and that I can make work for me, but also does not put me in a position to fall into a situation where I don't know what the hell's going on, where I'm wrapped yeah. up and my legs are wrapped up and I'm, I'm my ankle's available and this guy's grapevining this leg. Dude, I get in there and I will tap. Like, I fell <laughs> way too far into quicksand. I'm not going to try to fight out of this leg lock. I'm just going to tap. And Sean's a nice enough guy where he wrapped up my legs once and nothing was bothering me, but I didn't know where I was. And he just goes, dude, you're done. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yep. And he showed me Sounds what would happen, right. and everything was fine, and we started over again. But it is it is possible for me to fall into a trap, but I, I try to do everything I can to make that, like, very – it's a very rare occurrence where I fall that deep into the quicksand. So will I get a prize the first time that I leg lock oh, you? Sure, of course. I'll never forget it either. I'll know exactly <laughs> the mistake I made when you get me. What prize will I get? And I'll probably buy a steak dinner or something. Oh, nice. I'll take you to Prime, even though they shut down. <laughs> <laughs> I was very sad about that. I liked Prime. <laughs> but to me, like with leg locks, you know, as, as I said, like I know some basic leg locks, heel hooks, and some counters and some toe holds. But at the end of the day, leg locks are not what is what are most effective to me. Sure. The stuff that is most effective to me is just really basic stuff, like, you know, pass the guard and then mount and then finish. That's what I always try to do. I always try to get on top and then just finish. Okay. So, but I What's still don't feel submission? like, you know, I don't feel like anything I do is perfect. Like it's so mm -hmm. far away from perfect that to me, my game gets more simple with each passing year. I, I take out a little something fairly regularly because I find that, okay, well, you know, I get this 10% of the time. But, dude, I get this like 50% of the time. So why don't I concentrate on this? Um, Rylan Lazares, who's a Pedro yeah. Sauer black belt in Hawaii, he was right, the first right. person I ever heard say this. He used to come and do seminars all the time as well. And he basically said, like, you know, when I was a white belt in a blue belt and a purple belt, you know, I, I knew like two dozen guard passes. And he goes, now I'm a black belt and I do too. So the same two guard passes every time because they work for him 95% of the time. So he could waste his time practicing a bunch of other different wacky guard passes. And, and you know, he teaches a bunch of different guard passes because everyone, everyone has a different guard pass that's going to work for him. But for yeah. him, when he rolls, he's got two guard passes or whatever that are like his most effective guard passes. As same thing with me with guard passes and with ways to mount, and with arm bars from the mount, and uh, I have a couple of things I do really well from the back. And to me, at this stage, it's like I would like to keep doing these three things from every position that I'm really good at. I'd like to do them another 10,000 times. So instead of working 95% of the time, now they work like 99% of the time. And that, to me, to me... And everybody's different. Like, you guys, whatever. I mean, everybody does something different. But to me, it's more fun to get those things down to where they're, like, perfect and figure out whatever little holes there are. And then, then it is to learn, like, 100 different new, brand new different moves that I get 1% of the time for all 100 moves. I got 100 moves right. I can get 1% of the time. That comes <laughs> out to 100%. Or I could get two moves that I each can get like 80% of the time, and that's like 160%. <laughs> there so was a, uh, there's a video curious. I saw, real quick before we move on, there's a video I saw of, uh, I forget the guy's name, but he's an old red belt, and somebody asked him, I think it was like, you know, what's your favorite guard pass? And he, he looked at him kind of quizzically, he's like, favorite? I only do one. <laughs> like, literally, but you can't stop it. Like, he has an answer for every potential counter that you can throw at him, and he just slowly progresses right on through your guard. One guard pass. Right. That's, that's what I feel is the ideal. Yeah. Especially as you get a little older. I mean, as we get older, we like to think we're not getting older, but we are. 
And there's things that we are going to lose, okay? We're going to lose our speed, and we're going to lose our reaction time. And your old man strength, you're probably going to keep, but it's different than, you know, the explosive strength you have as a when you're young. Yeah. So as you get older and you lose your speed and your strength and your reaction time and everything like that, well, what does that mean? It means that you, you need to have fewer things that you can do slowly and effectively if you want to keep doing this. You can't rely on, man, I know 15 different things that I can do if I get stuck in this position, and I'm 20, and so like my brain immediately tells me which one to do. Dude, when you're 45, your brain ain't going to tell you what to do immediately. <laughs> Unless you've got like two things. And you can, you know, I, I, I remember, I don't know if it was you or somebody. Actually, it was Sean, actually. Sean used to tell me that I was so fast. And yeah, I was, I'm fast to a degree, but it's not so much fast as it is I'm doing something before you realize that I'm doing it. And it's not really speed. I'm just a little bit ahead. So, yes. you know, as someone starts to turtle, as opposed to waiting until they're all the way down and then trying to spin around their back real fast, as, as I see you turning to, to turtle, I'm already going around your back. So if you normally turtle and then somebody else runs around your back and then you turtle, but before you get to your knees, I'm already on your back. You're like, my God, he went so fast. No, I didn't go fast. I just started a little bit earlier. So... That's the kind of thing that as you get older, you need to be better at, where where people think you're fast, but actually you're not very fast at all. You're actually slow now, but you're just moving. You're a little bit ahead of the game. Yeah, it's the timing. So timing have a, beats speed. I have a... Timing, exactly. Timing yeah, beats I have a... speed. Listen to Dan I... here, Bo. <laughs> I have a... What does that mean? Do I not do that? Hey, I stole that from McGregor, <laughs> and I'm sure he stole it from somebody else, but it still holds true. Yeah, I'm sure so... they, they all stole it from, like... Milo of Croton. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I have a I have a question about what you're describing, Brian. Um because I've uh, I've actually talked to Brown Belt Mark about this a little bit. Um have you ever or do you ever grapple like with your eyes closed? Yeah. Do you do it frequently or is it just like a rare occurrence thing? Well, I mean, the answer to this, or Bo, is it depends. Okay. So if I were rest, if I were grappling with Dan, I would probably I I could grapple with my eyes closed, okay? Because I trust Dan. Yes. But if somebody came in and they were just like a crazy person, I ain't closing my eyes. I don't necessarily trust them. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah. But yeah, and Want especially like with the kids in kids class. Like I oh, grapple yeah. with the kids eyes closed all the time. Yeah. And it's a, so, it's a great drill to do. There's a lot of simple, old-school, great drills. You grapple with your eyes closed. You put one hand in your belt. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of them. But to me, you have to really trust your partner, that your partner is not going to do something nutty. Like you okay, put them yeah. in the guard, and they do some crazy thing to break out, and they tweak your knee, and you don't know what's right. going on because you had your eyes closed. But as far as well, feeling what's going on, yeah, eyes closed. Well, that's why I asked, is, um, and that's kind of where I was going with it, is that you talk about, you're not really moving faster than the individual. You're just getting to the point before they are because you essentially anticipate the movement, which is to say that you actually you're I think you're technically feeling the movement and then you're reacting before you're consciously aware of the reaction. Um, and what Mark was telling me is he's like, you want to close your eyes so that your eyes don't deceive you when it comes to movement. Because if you move based off of what you see, you're always going to be slower than what your body would react to naturally. And so you close your eyes, and then all you're going to have is the feeling of everything and the anticipation. And I, I did it, and I noticed literally immediately, like not even a joke, Mark stopped me, and then I rolled with Ty Blue Belt Tyler right after that. And that was the easiest roll I've ever had with Tyler since he's been a Blue Belt, was doing it with my eyes closed because I could just feel literally everything he was doing. And I just moved where he was going to be. And I thought what you're describing reminds me of that feeling of, I just know where he's going to go because his body weight shifts. But if I'm looking at somebody, I can't really tell yet. Sometimes I can, but mostly it's hard to tell exactly where their body's going to go. Maybe they'll fake me out and go another way, you know? Sure. And, um, and the idea is that you, when you're rolling with anybody, you want 
to have both of those things. You want to be able yes. to feel everything that they're doing, but you also have your eyes as backup. Right, like, right. you know, the, I think most of the Gracies don't lift weights. I know that, uh, Henner, I think he does body weight stuff and everything like that, but Hickson used to lift weights. And of course, when you think of the Gracies, like the idea that Hickson is lifting weights and, mm -hmm. and his, his theory was that I try to do jiu-jitsu technically with no strength, just reacting to everything and using the other guy's energy and everything. But you never know when you might need that strength. Yes. So why not have it? Why deliberately handicap yourself by by remaining weak? You're obviously going to have... Mm -hmm. I mean, if you do jiu-jitsu, you're going to be strong. But he had a little bit extra on top of that, and he did that with a lot of his training. Like... I'm going to always try to do the so-called pure Gracie jiu-jitsu. But you never know when you may need a little bit of extra mm -hmm. cardio. I mean, if you ever see him training for, um, the, if you watch the movie Choke, I mean, you could see him like sprinting up the stairs. He's checking his heart rate. Like he's training. He's not going in there like a normal guy and just going, I'm yeah. going to use my, my perfect jiu-jitsu. And no matter how athletic or strong this guy is, my jiu-jitsu will prevail. No, he trained. Like, he's going to need this cardio, he's going to need this strength, and he's got his jiu-jitsu. So he had something to fall back on. So any drill you do, like the eyes closed drill, you want to be able to do that with your eyes open so that you've, sure. got, you've got the ability to feel it, but you also have your eyes there to see what this person is doing, just in case you might need that. Mm -hmm. So two questions to follow up with the, the Hickson. Have you ever cross-trained? I know that's something that he did a little bit of, especially when he was uh, learning from uh, Halls Gracie. So I'm curious if you've ever done any judo, sambo, or wrestling. And then uh, my second question is, who do you think would win in a grappling match, Hickson or Halls Gracie? Uh, if I recall correctly, Hickson said that Halls beat his ass until shortly before <laughs> he died, and then he beat Halls. So I guess... According to to Hickson, like if if Holes would have lived, Hickson would have ended up being the top guy. But as yeah. far as cross training, like Hickson cross trained because he did basically MMA. Yes. And I did. I never wanted to do MMA, especially after pro wrestling. I had enough of a beating. So mm -hmm. when I was a kid, I did amateur wrestling when I was in junior high, and I did uh, Taekwondo. When I was in uh, elementary school and junior high, I took karate in college, which I think was closer to Aikido. It was like a bunch of joint locks. I took karate when I was in community college. So it was only two classes I remember. And then I took karate when the school opened up, which long time ago when the when the school first opened, uh, George's uh, first wife. Maggie, she taught the karate class. And, dude, I love this class because she was a Golden Gloves boxer. Mm. And so we didn't go in there and just do, like, a bunch of katas and, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. She busted out those pads, and she taught us how to throw hands. And I enjoyed that a lot. And then we had, for uh, many years, we had Najmi in class. And Najmi was my uh, partner on my black belt test. And he was the judo guy, right? He was a black belt in judo. And so he opened up a judo class on Thursdays. And so I took his judo class. So okay. I never did anything like hardcore cross training, like I'm going to fight or whatever. But I did do a lot of different martial arts in my life. And, you know, there's a lot of things. I mean, there's things in every martial art that, you know, it's whatever. But mm -hmm. there's also some things of value in no matter what martial art that you're doing. I know that some people, well, you know, my martial art's the best, all the other martial arts suck and they wouldn't work and blah, blah, blah. You know, maybe if you took somebody who was in some class and you threw them in you, they'd get slaughtered and whatever. But, you know, there's, you can maybe learn some better footwork. You can maybe learn some stuff about keeping your distance. You can gain some flexibility. You can, you can, I mean, just learn some basic martial arts lessons. I mean, there's value in every single martial art one of the uh guy and david fiedler actually both of them i mean they both did kung fu 
And if you ever rolled with them, there were things they did that nobody else I ever rolled with did because it was stuff that they had learned in Kung Fu, whether it be like you tried to grip them, but you couldn't or whatever it was. Cause I didn't do, I did maybe three Kung Fu classes with, with Dave Fiedler, but there were things that they learned in Kung Fu that they took into their jujitsu and it was very effective. So, I mean, there's stuff to be learned from every martial art. Sure. So if you could only ever do one type of submission for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? Well, you were talking about Marcelo earlier and yes. how you saw him leg-locking a lot of guys. Yes. I didn't see him leg-locking a lot of guys. But you know what I did see him doing for years and years and years and years? It's choking the shit out of people. <laughs> because, <laughs> yes, a heel hook is going to work on anybody. Mm-hmm. One of the things about, one of the other things about leg locks, why they're not my favorite and I don't concentrate a lot on them, is that if you apply a leg lock, you win. If you do it right, like it's done. Especially something like a heel hook. But if you're going for a leg and you mess up, there's a very good chance you're going to end up in a bad spot. You're going to end up on the bottom. You're going to have to scramble. Mm-hmm. As you get older, I don't want to do a lot of scrambling. Because the other guy is going to be a better scrambler than me. So, to me, it was always, okay, well, old school. Pass the guard. Get the mount. Submit. And there's a lot of submissions that you can attempt from the mount where if they fail, you're still in the mount. Mm-hmm. Same thing. There's a lot of things you can do where I get somebody's back. I can't get the cross choke. I can't get the rear naked. I just keep going. I'm not going to lose the back. Yeah. I mean, I could Which lose choke the would back, you do? But like, just because the, the chances of me losing the back because I didn't get a submission are zero compared to the chance of me losing a position if I try a leg lock and I and I mess up. Yeah. So the answer which, is choke. Uh, because wh- which which choke would you do? Probably either a guillotine or you're naked. Okay. Those are my two go tos. If I if I can get your back, I'm always going for the straight choke. Yes. And I don't know why it sucks. And I always go for the when you do it to me the guillotine. Both of these, by the way, all Marcelo yeah. Garcia, yeah, his straight chokes and his guillotines. Yep, yep, yep. They, and they're he's, he's nasty got chokes. Very similar proportions to me, and man, all that stuff that he taught that I ended up teaching it works so well for me. It may not work for everybody. If you've got longer forearms, you know that guillotine may not be perfect or the the straight choke. Sure. But if if you have the proportions that he has. I mean, this stuff works great. It worked great for me. And no matter how big you are, if I put that guillotine on, it's done. I put that choke Mm -hmm. on, it's done. And I can't say that about an arm bar. I certainly can't say that about, like, shoulder locks. Try and shoulder lock a strong dude. I mean, it can. you can get it, but you got just as good a chance of him powering out of something like that. Didn't Gavin do that to you? Oh, dude, Gavin. Gavin. Oh, my God. The things that this guy got out of. It's like eventually all I tried was to choke him because I just – he was so he was big strong. and strong. He was like 260 when he started. And after Did he I done ever... jiu-jitsu for a while, he ended up at about 220. But it wasn't yeah. like he was fat at 260. He was a big, strong, and he worked on a boat. Yeah. You know those guys who work on the boat. So, man, you try to arm bar that guy or you try to kimura that guy. And, like, sometimes I'd be teaching a move. And he'd say, Ryan, this thing doesn't work on me. Can you go? Can you come put it on me? <laughs> and like, you couldn't make it work. I'm like, dude. Did I ever tr- tell you the time me, that Gavin, he, uh... If you do it, it's going to work, okay? I may not be able to do it on you, but I promise you, you, you can make it work. But Did you I can always make a time... joke work. Right. And it's yeah, funny, they're... though. You never met, um... oh, God, what was his name? I forget his name. Hopefully he's not listening. That's your podcast, Bo, so he's probably not. But anyway, <laughs> he was this giant dude, okay? He was so big. I know this is like every jiu-jitsu story where they go, he was so big, he was like nine feet tall. But this dude was huge, okay? And so I was always just trying to choke him because he was so strong that nothing else worked. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, and you will not believe this, but I swear to God Almighty this is true, you could not rear naked choke him. 
You could straight choke him. You could guillotine him. You could triangle him. But if you put on a normal rear naked where you wrap the arm around, you block the carotids, you put the arm behind the head, and you squeeze, you couldn't choke him. And we would put him, we would sit him on the mat, and like we would have everybody in class come by, and they would put him (laughs) in this rear naked, and they would squeeze, and nobody could submit him. I have no idea how. (laughs) But he could be straight choked, and he could be guillotined. So at the end of the day, a choke works on everybody. Right. Did I ever tell you the time that Gavin Ezekiel choked me while he was in my guard? Yeah, he he'd learned the Ezekiel choke from somebody while rolling with them. And he decided to try and make it work, even though the individual didn't. I don't know who it was, but they didn't tell him, don't try this in the guard. But he's so big that I couldn't get my hips, my legs around his shoulders to double arm, to arm bar him. He was, he was too big and his arms were long enough that he could actually do the Ezekiel choke. And like, I remember like actively trying to jump my hips up and get my legs around and climb. And I, I was like, it, it, I think his arms are longer than my legs were. I remember once it was like a Thanksgiving break and the, our school was closed. And so he went to another school because he was going to do like their open mat or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's got his white belt. And he said like, these guys were just trying to kill me. Just come in here and just trying to kill me. And this one guy in particular is like an upper level belt. And he's just trying to kill Gavin. And finally, Gavin just could take no more. And he gra- and I think he did the same Ezekiel from the guard. Just like some ridiculous <laughs> move. And he almost killed this poor guy. And I was like, yeah, do not mess with Gavin. Yeah, he's he's hoping to come back, and he's his kids are going to sign up once we're open. And I'm terrified that oh. his kids are going to be bigger than me when they show up, at, and they're like ten, because he's a <laughs> he's a huge he's a huge human. Um, okay, so favorite choke your one choke would be either the uh, the guillotine or the rear naked choke. All right, I like it. Who would you grapple with, living or dead? If you could Hickson. grapple with one person, you've never grappled with Hickson. No. No. Although one time, I guess, <laughs> I think I was a, I think I was a purple belt, but we were at a uh, seminar with Pedro. It was the first time I ever got to get on the mat with Pedro, other than just like him demonstrating the move. Mm-hmm. And somebody had asked some question about passing the guard or something like that. And... Pedro laid on his back and he like, I think he put his hands in his belt, but he laid flat on his back and he told me to pass his guard. They said I could do anything I wanted. I could grab the pants, anything. I had my hands, my arms, my legs, and he laid not even in butterfly, but like flat on his back. Like in butterfly, you got a lot of movement, but when you're flat on your back, like you're flat on your back. Yeah, and anything that that bullfighter pass, toss the legs, pin the leg, whatever, anything I wanted to do, hug the legs, I could not even come close to passing this dude's guard, and he had to be like fifty five at the time, yeah, and which you know I was probably like, I don't know, eight nine years younger than I am now, and it was like so mind blowing to me, mind blowing. He's just sitting there. He's not even sweating. He's not doing anything. And there was zilch, nothing that I could do with this guy. And then you read all of these stories about people that rolled with Hickson. And you got to think about all of the people that hate the Gracies. Yep. There's plenty of people that don't like the Gracies. But nobody even, nobody ever told a story about how well, one day me and Hickson were alone, and I put, a, I put a beating on this guy, or I, 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 I <laughs> nothing. No one, never. It was like they were in fear to even say this because he might hear it. But all you heard from everybody, the greatest, the greatest, was that they didn't even get what he was doing. They didn't even understand yeah. what he was doing. And even, like, you know, a couple of years ago, you would hear these UFC fighters these great grapplers in UFC, and they would talk about, yeah, one day I went 
trained with Hickson and, and he just ruined me. And he, he made me feel like I didn't even know what I was doing. And I've always wanted to experience that. Like, what is this? So I've been to Hickson seminars, and, and, but I've never had a chance to roll with him. So I, I actually have had that experience before rolling with you, Brian, right after I got my blue belt. It's flattering, but it's ridiculous. Yeah, well, sure. I, I'm sure that there's a slight difference between Hickson and yourself, but um, the the feeling of like not not understanding like what you were doing and how I couldn't move because you just threw me to the ground repeatedly for like 12 minutes, and I remember thinking like I thought I knew stuff. <laughs> it, you just didn't want to let me do it. And well, the amazing you... thing to me that I still I just don't get it is, let's say that. There's some new young kid, and he's doing all this crazy stuff that nobody's ever seen. And you get in there with him, and he just ruins you. And you're yep. like, I have no idea what this guy did. I, I don't even get it. Okay, that's one thing. But if you ever watch Hickson roll or teach moves, there's nothing that you don't know. Yeah. But still, what he does, nobody even knows what's going on. It's like he's doing Details. something that they've never experienced before. And yeah. everybody yeah. says this. It's not even like, oh, well, you know, uh, one guy has talked about this legend of Hickson. It's like everybody. Yep, yep. I'd like to see him and Hodger, like Hodger Gracie, in their primes. I think that would be good. I mean, Hodger does what? the same thing. It's just all the absolute I know. basic stuff. That's, that's partly why I'd want to see it is that Hodger is, you know, what six inches taller and he's got he does have size know, on 30 pounds on him but he also looks way less athletic and so he just looks like a tall gangly guy and i'd like to just see hickson's pure athleticism versus and simplicity versus hodger and the apparent like genius of his simplicity i mean this guy he mounted in color i actually watched a video this morning he was going up against um, Ricardo Abreu in 2009, and he had just won like a, all of the world titles like the year before, and I think he just choked everybody. And the announcers were literally like, because he, he swept Ricardo. He finally got up from the bottom and swept him, and he's like, and he got into mount, and the guys are like, uh-oh, he's just going to collar choke him because that's what he does. He just mounts you, and then he collar chokes you, and there's nothing that you can do. And then like 30 seconds later, he Ezekiel'd him, but he choked him. And all he does is just Ezekiel or cross-collar choke you from the mount. Like, it's the simplest thing in the world to do. And yet, Probably I don't think I've ever him. seen... I, pro I don't think I've ever seen another black belt submit another black belt with a cross-collar choke from the mount in a competition ever. I don't think I've ever seen it. Probably need to watch more Hodger. That's what I mean, except for Hadra. I'm pretty sure he's the only person I've ever seen do that. And it, it baffles me. It's like I've heard so often, like the armbar from guard or the cross-collar choke from mount. Well, it's Hickson. It's like the, the joke. Yeah. If you ever go online, it's like Hickson by armbar. That's what he right. did. And it, he mounted and you like, and he either armbarred you or he choked you. That was it. And I've heard that uh, I hear so often from people, you know, other people I grapple with or just on t online, they're like, oh, the armbar from guard and then the cross collar choke from mount. Those are, that's what you do to white and blue belts. You know, it doesn't work on upper belts. And then I'm like, well, Hodra Gracie did it to everybody. And <laughs> he did both of those. I mean, he also did an armbar from the guard, which I've never seen anyone else do before either. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, you could kind of refine that statement. You could say a blue belt cross collar choke is not going to work on the upper belts. But a black yes. belt cross co cross collar choke is a different thing, and that'll work. Mm -hmm. Well, really, I mean, I've had this theory forever, and I, I kind of went through it myself, which is at the beginning, you learn a bunch of basic moves, which all work, but they don't work for you yet. Because, sure. number one, like, you don't know how to do them necessarily perfectly yet. But you're also grappling a bunch of advanced people who you're not going to submit an advanced guy with an armbar from the guard if you're a white belt. And so as you go through white belt and blue belt, the alleged blue belt blues, a lot of that is, I can't get this stuff to work. Why can't I tap bow with this cross collar? So inevitably, you get to about purple belt, and then it's about 
beginning your journey of learning 8,000 8, different moves. I can't beat Bo with this cross collar. So I'm going to learn this inverted Ezekiel. <laughs> and maybe I can get him. And of course, Bo's not expecting this goofy move. So you actually get Bo. And then it's like, that's it. I need more moves. You start learning. You start trying to figure out all of these moves, all these wacky guard passes, anything that you can do that maybe you can make something work. And then by the time you're like brown belt, well, you've still been doing that basic stuff for so long that now it's starting to work. Yeah, and It's a lot easier than that inverted Ezekiel. And so then by the time you're the black belt, you're just doing the same stuff you were doing a white belt, but now it's all working on everybody. That seems to be my, like the, the, the course of everybody's yeah. learning. My goal is to just skip the purple belt part. Oh, and you won't, just do the same. You've already started with all same. those leg locks. Yeah, but <laughs> too see, late. <laughs> see, he knows, not, I'm, not he knows I'm right about this. <laughs> no, I'm only right because you're old-fashioned and you don't like leg locks as part of Doesn't matter, be any game. move, any wacky move you're working on. No. Dude, I saw and you so, do some wacky. You were going for an arm bar on the dummy and you turned it into a mounted triangle or something. Yeah, I was playing around by myself. Exactly. I that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's exactly what I said. I literally did that to send it to you to see if you thought it was like a feasible move. Well, anything's a feasible move if you can make it work. That's what's what the I meant. The question like, is, how often can you make it work? Yeah, and so, it, 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 honestly, it probably would never be something I would ever try. But You never know, Bo. That, I mean, I might try it on, like, a 12-year-old who doesn't know what rain. I'm doing. <laughs> hey, did you guys when, watch the last UFC? The, no. This, this past Saturday? Yeah. Nothing? No? Which one? No. I... The last one was uh, Khabib. Yeah, I watched it. I watched it, yeah. Was that a, Bo? Did you watch that one? No, I haven't seen. I watched it. only the main card. It, it, it's worth catching up on, just because um, his jujitsu. Normally, we see the you know uh, the Dagestani mauling of folks. Yeah. But he did this beautiful sequence of of just pure jujitsu uh, into a mounted triangle. Ah, oh, just gorgeous. Dude, like he that, just ruined that, this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if you heard, yeah. but he had the mumps for two weeks in camp. Yep. And a he had a broken foot, right? toe. Yeah. And he still went in there. His father passed away. So he had all of this stuff together. And he still went in there and looked like the best fighter I ever saw in my life. And even I saw him... from what I from what I heard, he chose not to armbar Justin. Because he knows Justin. You know, Justin said he wasn't going to tap and he believes him. He didn't want to hurt him. So ah, we'll go for the choke. And put him out. Damn. Yeah. I, I saw him grapple uh, a Dagestani wrestler who was like 212 pounds, 210 pounds. I'm like, he was a good six inches taller and was way bigger. Like, and this guy was like cut. And Khabib's like, he's not very big. I think he's like my size. He's like a buck 60, a buck 70. Is that right? No, nah, he pushes he 200 did. off season. He gets, he gets big. Yeah. Getting down to 155 okay, so is tough for him. That might have been that might have that might have helped, but he was clearly smaller than this dude, and he just ran him over, like he just drove this guy into the ground for like twelve minutes. And afterwards, the guy's like drenched in sweat, and Khabib is pats him on the back and just like walks off the mat like nothing had happened. And I was like, I can't like, Dagestan's like one of the best wrestling countries in the world. Period. Like if you re if you're like a wrestler that can wrestle Khabib and you're from Dagestan, you're probably one of the best wrestlers in the world. Just And he just ran him over like he was a child. A very big child, but a child. I couldn't believe that shit. It's fucking what crazy, happens, man. dude. Someone, someone yeah. watched and they were like, God, that mounted triangle just looked too easy. Yeah. It's like, it's Khabib. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it looked like that because he's fighting Khabib. <laughs> right. Absolute crap. I'll, 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 re I'll have to pull that video up and watch it, but... Uh, Brian, you said uh, you have to get off at 6.30. Is that correct? Oh, crap. Time Look at that. Dead. That time flew. All right. Perfect. Well, we should do this again because I have 20 more questions. Um, <laughs> and I'll have more by the time we do this again. Also, I want the uh, login information for your Mar Marcelo oh, Garcia interaction. Oh, are you kidding me, both? <laughs> I'm not kidding. For purely I think that's karmic reasons, I'm not giving away passwords. <laughs> for karmic, 
It's just the karma. He says it on the podcast, and he's talking about karma. That's fantastic. No, no, I don't want the password on the podcast. I want it off podcast. I just, I, I want there to be a recorded record online that I have asked you politely, for, as my instructor, to help me grow as a jiu-jitsu, as a grappler, and you have declined. And so I want the world to know that you're mean. And I will say honor, that uh, that Mr. Alvarez <laughs> has taken the stance that he's not going to give away someone else's intellectual property. Yes, exactly, <laughs> Bo. You kidding me? Is that what that is? Okay. Besides, you can download all that stuff anyway. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. All right, fellas, we are going to head off for the day so Brian can go be a dad. Thank you both for being on the podcast. I do appreciate it. Brian, thank you very much for being our, our first guest. And uh, to everyone who's listening, hope you have a good morning, afternoon, or evening. Brian, is great chatting with you, and I uh, hope to do it again soon. Take care, everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Peace, guys. Bye.